We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast with Alex Golden and Michael Focci. Ball loose. Give me one, Lance. Give me one, Lance. Stevenson ties it with 1.6. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly and hits again. Halliburton at the buzzer. Captain Kush with another one. Brogdon goes inside and Turner finishes. Halliburton leaves it off for Batase. Go, go. Good job. Oh, what a move by Heald. He lays it in. Heald. Hotter than fish grease. Drops it off to Jalen Smith with the poster. Jackson the catch. Jackson the basket. Washington again. Five of them. Pacers got the steal. Out running is Brissette. Pounds it home. It to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in. Warren lets it fly. Yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Halliburton gonna slam it at the other end! Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. And whew, we are just a few hours away from the NBA draft. So Fachi and I are officially here to release our NBA draft guide for Setting the Pace. Fachi, are you ready to dive into this today? Oh, I'm ready to dive. I'm getting on the diving board as we speak. And it's a deep pool because there's a lot to digest today. Yeah, so we have 12 categories here that we're going to be discussing And we're just going to go through them from the top and work our way down to the bottom. We're going to be talking about trade scenarios. We're going to be talking about all the stuff you guys are interested in. So, Fachi, let's just get right into it. Question number one, what player or players have all-star potential? I'm going to start at the top with Paul Bancaro. I've said it before. You've heard me. I think he's the most NBA-ready. I do think he wins Rookie of the Year. Jabari Smith Jr. probably makes an all-star game. I know he probably ends up going number one, but I, I feel like Paul is more of a sure thing. I'm going to be honest. I can't say convincingly that Chet Holmgren is an all-star. Call it a hot take. Call me a hater. I don't know what you want, but I, I can't say that man is an all-star. But then we're moving over. Jay Nivey, in my opinion, that guy is going to be an all-star in this league. A multiple well, time all-star let, let me cut you off here real quick because i said potential so okay. it doesn't mean they necessarily have to be an all-star but they have the all-star potential because we've seen a lot of fringe level players you know get into that all-star fringe right but not make it because i think 
potential wise, you can make the case Shed Holmgren can be an all star. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You just might not believe mm-hmm. he will become that, but he does yes. have the potential to get to it. So he's on my board for this. I know you might not have him on yours, but I just wanted to say that real quick. Just so no, no, it's a great point. If we're going potential-wise, yes, I cannot tell you that that man can't potentially be an all-star. Yeah. But when I'm looking at other potential all-stars, Jay Nivey is definitely on that list. And then when I make that move to the next guy that potentially could be an all-star, it's Benedict Matherin. I can't say convincingly that this guy is going to be a multi-time all-star, but I can't tell you that he won't be one because this man has massive two-way potential i think that he's going to be better than what his draft position is so for potentially yes i'm putting him in that category all right so there's a couple guys you left off for me yep. that i think could have all-star potential and i'm gonna go with shade and sharp very well could be he does have the potential do i think he reaches it it's gonna have to be the right situation for him but you know when we talked with isaiah jackson he talked about his athleticism and his seven foot wingspan like there's a lot of things to like about him and then another guy that I I'm just I feel like there's a lot of hate on him. That's Keegan Murray. Um, I, I think he has all star potential because I think he can be consistently good enough that if he's on the right team, similar to like an Atlanta Hawks type of situation when they had like four guys make it. I truly believe that there is an opportunity here that Keegan Murray in the right spot could be an all star one day. Yeah, I had in my notes about Shaden Sharp, so I want to clear that up. Like, Shaden Sharp most definitely has all-star potential. Mm. I'm a little bit lower on Keegan Murray. I I think that he could be a very good player. I think the other guys just have higher ceilings. So, you know, that's kind of how I view that top list. I think you can make an argument for anyone in that top eight or so, maybe even ten, has all-star potential. But a few of the guys that I went through first, I feel like could very well be surefire all-stars and Paul Bancaro, Jay Nivey. Those two guys I feel very comfortable with. Okay, well, this isn't on our draft guy, but let's just go ahead and do it since we're here. Do any of these guys have star or superstar potential? Absolutely. Look, Shaden Sharp, I mean, that guy's ceiling is, is it's, I can't say through the roof. I mean, the, the man's ceiling is the solar system. I don't know. You know, they're talking big games about Shaden Sharp. Uh, Paul Bancaro, I think, could be a, a, a superstar. I think he can. I don't I'm not in love with Jabari Smith Jr. and being like a star star. Could yeah. very well develop. Maybe I eat those words, but I don't see Chet as a superstar. That one I'm going to find hard to believe. Yeah, I think Jaden Ivey for me has got to be number one on this mm-hmm. conversation yep. because of the position he plays, the dynamic athleticism that he has. I think Paulo is up there too because of, you know, basically being a seven foot power forward that can just do a lot of different things if he figures it out defensively you're talking about a guy that could really put a team on his back and then Shaden Sharp and this is an interesting one because you're like I don't want to say his ceiling's through the roof but like where is his floor at because his floor could be a bottomless pit somewhere so you know that's kind of where it's at like he's got the most drastic you know range of anybody that I can ever remember because of the unknown but let's move over here to topic two Fachi this is a question that we've been getting a ton on Twitter and I really haven't been able to sit down and like answer it yet on Twitter because I wanted to save it for this episode. What type of trade would you be willing to make to move up in the draft? And, and I want you to give your best offer for a Jaden Ivy trade idea, but I will throw this out the, uh, real quick um, on the ultimate NBA mock draft with our friends, Richard Stamen and Raphael Barlow um, Pacer podcaster, Tony East, was representing the Pacers for this exercise. He made a move 
with the Sacramento Kings to move up to four. This is the trade that those two guys agreed on. Matt George was the one representing the Kings. The trade that they did was pick six, Malcolm Brogdon, pick 58, and a top five protected pick for 2023 to Sacramento for pick four, Rashawn Holmes and Justin Holiday. This deal was agreed upon. What are your thoughts on this deal? And what are your thoughts on a deal that you would make for Jaden Knight? It's not bad. I don't know if Sacramento does it. I mean, pick 58. I mean, what even, what relevance is that even going to have over there? At that point, I feel like you got to throw in 31. Um, or, you know, maybe it's whatever. It's a Cavs pick. The top five, I like having a protection on the pick. That's very important to me. If we can get the deal done for that, I would do it. I would. Yeah. Look, Justin Holiday, a good veteran. The Pacers need veterans. Then all of a sudden, you're looking at Rashawn Holmes. Look, that man's getting dumped in whatever trade is involved with the fourth overall pick. Not a bad player. The contract's not bad. But look, Duarte, do I want to see him go? No, I don't. But the last few days, feels like Duarte might have to be included mm-hmm. in that deal. So I like the deal. I don't think it's enough for, for Sacramento. And I'm going to go through uh, what some of my deals are. I got two of them for you. Okay, so, hit me. First, sixth overall pick, Brogdon. 31 and the Cavs pick. All right. And at that point, we're taking back Rashawn Holmes. We're getting four. So, in terms of draft capital, it's 31 and the Cavs first instead of 58 and a top five protected. Um, if they, if they you know, don't want to do that, then at this point, we can include a swap for next year. That's an option. Or the last one I had is sixth overall pick, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Duarte, the Cavs first. And if needed, we can throw in 31. So there's a lot on the table there. But yeah, yeah, you tell me, what do you think? Yeah, I don't know. This is tough. I I feel like you're going to have to give up a a first for the next year of some sort. It's Cleveland's first. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, I just don't think Cleveland's is going to get it done because it's lottery protected. I know, I know. That's where I think you're going to have to ask a little bit more because I don't know if you saw my tweet today or not, but I was listening to the radio. Bob Kravitz came on. Um, front of the show and he basically just said when it comes to you know what the kings are asking they were asking for pick swaps this year from four and six and then basically two future first round picks and i'm assuming he didn't say unprotected but i'm pretty sure that's what they're asking for are, are just unprotected picks like hey we know we don't want the extra players so look does brogdon make a lot of sense for him i think yes and no to a certain degree i think he could be a nice little change of pace there next to a De'Aaron fox but they already got davion mitchell so do they really want another guard like that? I think Brogdon's big enough where he could guard some threes. I think we've seen that before. So it doesn't necessarily surprise me. But at the same time, like, is that the best offer they can get? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, think, I think what's interesting here, though, I look at a team like Detroit that's right before us, and they could be the wild card in this. And so in this mock trade that that our friends Tony East and Matt George did together, the, the, the Detroit Pistons took Shaden Sharp at five. So Keegan Murray fell to six, which made it more appealing to the Kings. That's why I kind of think you're going to have to wait to see what the Pistons do at five if the Kings just go ahead and take Jaden Ivey. And then if he's there and, you know, Matherin's there at six or something like that, or Murray's there at six, whatever, and that's who the Kings decide they want, then you make the deal. For me, my best trade proposal honestly would be Chris Duarte, pick six, and then I'm doing a top five protected pick for next year. Actually, yeah, that's fine. Top five protected pick for next year for Ivy and Rashawn Holmes. Uh, 
I'm willing to give up Chris Duarte if it if it means that I'm getting back Jaden Ivy, only because I feel like Ivy's got the higher potential, is younger, he fits what the team's doing moving forward, and I really do believe that hey, if you can move back two spots, you get Keegan Murray potentially, and you get Chris Duarte, you've got potentially two guys that can start for you. Um, I, w- I would give them Brogdon if they prefer Brogdon over Duarte, obviously. But, you know, I, I'm saying best offer here. I'm giving them a protected pick, swapping picks, and my first-round pick from last year. I just think it's a little bit more enticing than, oh, we'll give you, you know, 31 and the Cavs pick and 58. Like, you know, you got to just be really interested in all that stuff. I'm hoping this is one of those where Pritchard said he wanted two first for Levert, and we ended up with the Cavs pick and 31, which was not quite – Two first, but close enough. So I'm hoping that would do the job. But look, if instead of top five protected, if we can find a way to do that pick swap or it's like top eight protected, I'm in. I'm in. Let's let's sign off. Let's get the deal done. But the thing is, I want to find a simpler way to be able to move Brogdon. And look, if this means that we can't move Brogdon in this deal, but then you could still move him to Washington or the Knicks, then all of a sudden everything's working out even better. Because then yeah. that's another trade ship. So we got a couple offers on the table over here. Uh, you know, teams could offer more, but at the end of the day, you got to remember we're just moving up two spots. So mm-hmm. how many teams can beat this offer if their pick is below us? All right, Foxy. Well, let's move on because I want to look at some different scenarios here. So let's look at it from this perspective. Um, let's say the Pacers, there's a guy that they like, maybe that he falls back or falls in the draft and they know that. So what type of deal would you make to move back from six in the draft? All right, so if we're moving back from six and we don't want to move back too far, I'm looking at San Antonio, all right? They got pick nine and they got my man crush, Keldon Johnson, all right? I feel like he's still young enough. He's 22 years old, has not been paid yet. He averaged 17 and six last year, 47% shooting, 40% from three. I feel like this is a guy that, you know, he was the youngest guy on Team USA. He could be our small forward of the future, but the big thing is, You're getting a really talented guy that you can start, but also having the ability to potentially draft either Dyson Daniels at nine, A.J. Griffin, Jeremy Sohan. Not in love with Johnny Davis, but it's much better at nine than it is at six. So it's a move that doesn't really jeopardize our ability to bring in great talent, but we're also getting a guy that can help us win now while still acquiring a really good talent at nine. Yeah, that's that's a good one here, Fachi. I didn't even think about adding a player in here. Um, I just said if a guy like Matherin, starts to fall, right? You know, there's a guy everybody thinks going top five, top six. But what happens, you know, let's just say Ivy and Ivy and Murray go four or five, and then all of a sudden the Pacers, you know, somebody wants to trade up and go get a Dyson Daniels or or a Shaden Sharp or something like that, and you start to see Matherin fall, you know, would you trade back? And I, I said if Matherin falls to nine, oh, yeah. um, because I could see Jalen Dern going early like let's say possible Spurs won the trade up and get Jalen Duran at six well then all of a sudden Portland could say well we promised Sharp so we'll take Sharp but now you only got the Pelicans in the way between Dyson Daniels here and Benedict Matherin is there a scenario where Benedict Matherin falls all the way to nine not saying it's gonna happen but not saying it won't either it's a very you know unrealistic possibility but it's still realistic to a certain degree I said if Matherin falls to nine I would try and swap six to San Antonio for nine and I'd also like to get 20 back as well from San Antonio. So now you got 9, 20, 30, 31, and 58. So now you got a little bit more ammo to play with. And um, 
you know, just getting assets. I don't know if getting 20 is that sexy, but to me, it's, it's somebody, somebody that they could potentially add in that mid first round, or they could use 20 and 31 to move up even more. So just throwing that idea out there, if they did move back, if a guy they really like falls. Hey, not a bad option at all. And let's just say I ain't done with San Antonio yet because they got a lot of picks, too many picks. So I'm going to be touching on them again pretty soon. (laughs) All right, well, let's go to our next topic here. How can the Pacers add an additional lottery pick? All right, so the easy thing is what can you get from Malcolm Brogdon? All right, so right now we're hearing rumblings that the Knicks are becoming very serious about wanting to upgrade their point guard play. They ain't getting a four. For Jaden Ivey, we talked about it before. The leap from 11 to 4 is astronomical. And if they're not going to include R.J. Barrett, they don't stand a chance. And they ain't including R.J. Anyway, if you you can do Brogdon to the Knicks for 11, you know, maybe in that deal we take back two years guaranteed of Evan Fournier at about $18 million, really good three-point shooter. Look, it's, it's a pill that we can swallow. Or then there's the ability, what if – you know, it's, it's Brogdon and maybe if needed, like the, the Cavs first or pick 31 to the Wizards for 10. Uh, I mean, they're, they're going to be in the market. It's a possibility. Look, if they really want it, I'll personally pack Gogo's bags because like at that point, Porzingis can't stay healthy. So throw them in there. And then lastly, this is a smash the emergency glass if needed. We know Charlotte has the man crush on Miles Turner. So they got 13. They got 15. You know, one of those is in the lottery. One of them isn't. But either way, if you want to acquire 13, there could be 13 Ubre and Plumley on the table for Turner. It's not as appealing as the other deals. Or lastly, do we just knock on Cleveland's door and say, you want your picks back because we'll take 14. But no, I'm just kidding. They're, they ain't going to do that. But we're, we're stuck with their picks. So I see yeah. it as the Knicks and, and the Wizards are our most likely possibilities unless we stoop to the point of, trading Turner for 13 and, and, and some moving parts. Okay. Well, let me ask you this because I said I would obviously package Brogdon um, to go to, to go to Washington for the 10th pick Ishmith and KCP is giving up the Cavs pick and pick 31 with Brogdon too much to move up to 10. I don't know. I, I look, Hey, the great Michael Scott of beauty and I beauty's in the eye of the beholder. Look at this point. I'm not seeing so much beauty in Brogdon while I feel like, hey, Washington might at that point, I want to be able to move on from Brogdon and getting the 10th pick. Look, that's not just something that's going to fall in our lap. We might need to be able to give them Brogdon and then be able to say, hey, how about you take Cleveland's Cleveland's pick? Just, you know, at this point, who knows what Beal is going to do. And I'm going with the mindset of that pick is going to turn into two second round picks at this point. It's just like, look, not just, trusting it. They just, I'm not trusting the pick. So if it's got to be Brogdon and the Cavs first, you get KCP, who could be a veteran three and D guy over here. Who knows if he even sticks around? And, and then at that point, you're moving up to ten. You got six and ten, Alex. That feels like Brandon Roy and Lamarcus Aldridge all <laughs> over again for what Pritchard wanted to do, and I'm all for it. Yeah, sign me up for Benedict Matherin and. Uh... Jeremy Sohan, right? I mean, or, or Terry East, and that's where I'm at with those two. But I've uh, I've also got some rumblings that if Keegan Murray is there at six, they like him, and then if they get back into that Knicks range, they like Johnny Davis. Can you? How would you feel if the Pacers walked out of the draft with Keegan Murray and Johnny Davis? 
I can't say I'm, I'm shouting from the rooftops. We're back, baby. You know, but I'm, I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, we got two really good players. I'll sell myself on it. But I, I won't feel good about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I like Keegan Murray. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah, but, yeah. like, if we if we walk away with Johnny Davis at 10, I'll be sick to my stomach. I just – I know it sounds so dramatic, and it probably is. I'm just – I don't see it with him at 10. I think there's other guys there that I like way better. Um but, I mean, I get it if you're going for a wing. Like, you know, you're going with a, a power forward type of player at six. If you get Murray, maybe you go wing. But if they took Dyson Daniels at six and then at, at 10 took Johnny Davis, like that screams to me, meh, mediocre at, at best. So that's that's where I'm at on it. But I did listen to Zach Lowe's podcast today, talk with Jonathan Gavoni. This, we're recording this on a Tuesday, by the way. And – in this episode, Gavoni said he didn't really believe that the Wizards would be willing to get Brogdon in a deal, but he did say that the New York stuff seems very legitimate. And he said, I feel like they'd be more willing to part with it. So he said, if you could somehow get back pick 11 and OB Toppin, that's a win for the Pacers. I'm thinking, are the Knicks really going to give up OB Toppin and pick 11 for Malcolm Brogdon? Uh, If they do that, Trust me, I will be ecstatic. Um, the trade I came up with, I thought we were given a pretty good value back. I was thinking Brogdon, Goga, and the Cavs pick for Kimball Walker, Evan Fournier, and pick 11. And I felt like that's pretty fair value just for us to be able to get up into the lottery again. But if we can get Obi Toppin as well, like that's just kind of wild to me. We ain't getting Obi. The way that he finished the season when giving proper minutes – Show that he's not, he's a good player. It's like, <laughs> I'm just saying what I heard on the I podcast. I know, I know. Look, look, I would love it. I- I'm in. Let's do it right now. But you know what? It- it's just not going to happen. Your trade that you mentioned is far more realistic. Getting Kemba, you know, getting Kemba's salary off the books for the Knicks, getting Fournay off the books right over there. That's more in line of what they're doing. I think instead of um, Obi Toppin, I think Emmanuel quickly could potentially be a guy that would be included instead, which I would still have interest in, you know, Quentin Grimes. Point, yeah. Quentin Grimes is another good, good young player. So it's like, that's more along the lines that I see is like, look, if they, if they know that they're going to keep, you know, uh, if, if, if Mitchell Robinson's leaving, then at that point, they're less likely to want to include Nerlens Noel, but like, that's another contract they're looking to get off the books in my yeah. opinion. So I, I think it comes with taking back salary giving Brogdon, and then maybe you got to throw in a little something to sweeten the deal, whether it is 31 or the Cavs pick. But I think the Knicks have more legs in making a move for Brogdon than the Wizards do. Yeah, I, I did see today as well that there's some talks for trying to create cap space to maybe go out and make a play on Jalen Brunson. Mm-hmm. Keep an eye on the Thunder for that. I, I think, I mean, the Pacers technically could do the same thing as well. Mm-hmm. They could take on some of those contracts and not give them anything back and then yep. just get, pick 11. I mean, might be a little bit out there, but I mean, it's not the worst idea. And then oh, maybe, man. yeah, I mean, I, I mean, then you still have the Brogdon trade chip and see what you can do with that. There's a bunch of different scenarios here, but Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and do the second part of our draft guide here right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, we are back, Fachi. Tell me, how did the Pacers add an additional first-round pick outside of the lottery? I hinted at it before, a little spoiler action, but I'm calling back to San San Antonio Spurs, and I'll tell you why. They have three picks in the top 25. They're picking at 9, 20, and 25, and then they're even picking again at 38. Mm. I'm sorry, but that's way too many picks for any team, even OKC. So at this point, they had so much young talent on that Spurs team that they're still trying to develop. Devin Vassell, the, the Joshua Primos, you know, even Keldon Johnson, uh, you know, a ton of other guys also. It's just too much talent for a team, young talent, that's used to winning. So at this point, I think they would want to package one of those picks, maybe get someone a little bit more established. So here's what I'm looking at right over here. Mm-hmm. Is 20 and 25, maybe Jakob Pertl enough? For Miles Turner, or is that too many picks for us? Um, I think that that's too much for Miles because I think Jakob Pertl is valued a little bit higher amongst the league than maybe we're giving him credit for. Um, I don't know if I'd want Pertl on our team. I mean, but that's that what I'm saying. It's like, are they going to have him and Turner? You know, it feels like yeah, a lot. yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think they could find ways to get off of Pirtle to a certain degree. I think there were some talks with Toronto for Pirtle, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, he was a former, yeah, I was going to say he's a former Raptor himself, and they obviously think highly of him enough to draft him. So, you know, I I think 2025 and Pirtle, it's not the worst thing at all. I I mean, I wouldn't be mad at it, but at the same time, if Christian Wood got 26, 26, 25 similar. So that one to me is a wash. Um, I think Turner's got much with it too. And a player. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm, I'm trying to talk myself through Mm -hmm. it here real quick. So 25 to me is a wash because I think Turner's much better than Christian Wood overall. Some people might Mm -hmm. disagree, but sorry. No, Christian Wood is glorified role player who's a a bad team. Yeah. Yeah. Good stats, bad team kind of guy. So uh, for Turner, he's definitely a defensive presence. The Spurs could use someone like that. I think they have some interest. I've heard they have some interest in DeAndre Ayton as well. They've got cap space on top of everything. So, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's somewhat doable. I don't think it's, I don't think it's a uh, bad value. I, I think it might be just a little bit too much for the Spurs to give up. Um, maybe if you just did 25 in Pirtle or you just did 25 and 20. Well, it's just 25, you know, 25 and 20. I'm fine, but I, I just didn't think they would want Jakob and miles on the yeah. same team right over there. It felt like a lot, but I ain't done yet. All right. I got, I got a couple other options right. for you. Get me. So, the Rockets pick at 3, 17, and 26. Okay. I know they stink. They've been in the, in the cellar for a while now, the last, last two years. But they had three first-round picks last year. So when you look at their trade, you know, look at their team, what would they want to get off the books? Eric Gordon. Eric Gordon does not fit that timeline. I ain't interested in John Wall's $47 million. So – No, I'm not. So not for pick 17? <laughs> no. So what about – and tell me if it's too much – what about 17 and Eric Gordon for perhaps 31? And if we have to send something back, we do. But I think in reality, they probably just want the salary off the books. Yeah, this is an interesting one because I did talk about 
an Eric Gordon trade where we really don't have to send too much back. Maybe you send Goga back and pick 31 yeah. if, if they're trying to save cap. Yeah. But I, I do know that there's been some rumblings out there that Phoenix and Philadelphia have interest in Eric Gordon as well. They were not willing to trade him last year unless they got something of value back. He's got basically an expiring contract this year as well. So I don't think it necessarily is as negative as maybe some people think it is. Mm -hmm. If they're trying to get a bunch of cap space, maybe to make a move at a guy like Aiden, then that's where I can see it. But I think from everything I've heard, Sengun is the guy that they want to kind of give a shot to with Paulo Boncaro, with Jalen Green. So now you're looking at what position do they really need? And that's probably more of a point guard type of situation. Do they go after and maybe want to offer money to Colin Sexton? There's another guy that could make some sense for him if they're trying to continue this young rebuild. So for me personally, while I threw this idea out there on a previous podcast on that trade idea podcast, I did, I don't know if it is very likely, but you know, I I think if I'm the Pacers, I definitely do this deal if I can. It's, it's not unrealistic. So I I do think there is that interest of, of Houston, just getting them off the books, getting whatever you can out there. You know, it's a lot of picks. Maybe they use a pick to stash someone, even if it ends up being 26, I'm still cool with it because I feel like we're, what are we really going to spend that money on? And it is just one year of Eric Gordon, but I ain't done yet. I still got two more trades for you. I I could not stop. How about you take a break and let me get one in here real quick. I can do that. I could do that. Okay. I'll give you one that I gave before on a Brogdon trade. And that is um, Gallinari in 16. For Brogdon. That was one of mine. All okay. right. Okay, so that crosses one of mine off. Yeah, because I uh, I threw that one out there originally on our Brogdon trades, and I thought I might as well just share this one because obviously Gallinari, in case people missed that one, has only got $5 million guaranteed for next season. So you're saving more money, which would give you more money to just sign Aiden outright if you wanted to go that route or whoever, just whatever you want to do. It just opens up more cap space. You also get pick 16. If for some reason the Knicks aren't there at 11, that, that deal falls through or whatever. Do you like 16 for Brogdon, or do you think that he's worth more? I would love to get more for him, but I'm going to be honest. If we get 10 or 11 for Brogdon, we've robbed them. Like, Kevin Pritchard has done it again. He's pulled a rabbit out of a hat. If we get 16 for Brogdon and we're getting $67 million off the books, I'm still taking that deal. (laughs) Yeah, it does make a lot of sense, and I mean – who knows what exactly Atlanta is going to be doing. Maybe this is where you look at potentially doing a three-team deal with the Kings in Atlanta. I know there's been a lot of rumblings around some of the stuff they could do. Maybe Atlanta doesn't really want um, Malcolm Brogdon. Maybe they prefer a Harrison Barnes. So maybe you send a John Collins and a Malcolm Brogdon to the Kings and Harrison Barnes goes back to the Hawks. And then you never know. There's just different ways you can play with it. But that was an idea that I threw out there. I'll throw you a simpler trade, Fachi. I've got two more, but I'll, I'll throw this one at you before you reveal your next one. Um, what about pick 31 and Goga to Philadelphia for pick 23? Oh, man. Sign me up. I, I'm all in. So at this point, look, Goga, you know, I, I had a couple of weeks. I tried to give him a chance. You know, he started he started playing better. Maybe it's because we were just playing. You were so on terribly. the Batadze band. I, I, I tried, man. I hopped <laughs> in the driver's seat. But look, it's just he's never going to be able to have enough time to flourish while we're winning. So mm-hmm. at that point, look, it just didn't work out. Pick 18, got off to a rough start the first couple of years. If you have an opportunity to slide up to 23, I really like that because there's a lot of good talent that you could take a, a risk on 
at 23 that it's not going to become a risk because, hey, it's not your sixth overall pick. You still got other assets. So I'm interested in that deal. Yeah, they are. Well, here's part of the reason why I'm thinking about doing this is because there's been reporting out there that the 76ers are looking to get off this pick. Um, I don't know if they'd want to add more salary on in Goga, but at the same time, you know, they could always use a backup center. I'm trying to think DeAndre Jordan was their backup center last year, and I think he's a uh, unrestricted free agent mm-hmm. and he yeah, clearly did not look like yeah. himself i mean as much as you know i think goga's got a lot of work to do i prefer goga 10 out of 10 times over deandre jordan no doubt as my backup center so this gives them some uh, you know depth there and the the salary of the 23rd pick is you know a two-year plus two-year type situation where they could just have Goga's expiring for one year and be done with it, move back to 31 where they can kind of control who they want. Maybe there's a Christian Coloco there at 31, someone from Arizona that the uh, the 76ers feel like they can get back in the draft. So it, it was very reminiscent, very similar to what we did for Aaron Holiday last year, trading Aaron Holiday plus 31 for pick 23, which is Isaiah Jackson. Now you do basically the same type of deal uh, with Goga and 31 to get up to 23 from Philly. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Sixers would enjoy probably a backup center that could shoot, could potentially shoot threes when you look at, you know, Andre Drummond, who was over there, DeAndre Jordan. I mean, offensively, you're really not a threat over there when Embiid's not on the court. So Gola, you know, could, could continue to get a little bit better. So for them, hey, I, I could see that if they want to get pick 23 out of there and they have no better offers, I'd be interested yeah. in that. My yeah. last trade, it's, it's a baby trade. There's not much going on over here, but – the Golden State Warriors, the reigning champs, they're going to want to cut some salary because they have to pay some guys. So I think at this point, they own pick 28. Yeah. Do you, would you do, say, 31 and then a future second-round pick for 28? It's an ability to move up a couple of spots. The reason why they'd be intrigued, the non-guaranteed salary with that 31 overall pick, I think would be far more appealing for them. And it's if – we see someone that we're interested in a lot a couple of years ago when Kevin Porter Jr. went 30th and the Pacers were picking 32nd overall and missed out on him. That one hurt me. We didn't miss out because he's maybe we didn't. Maybe we didn't, <laughs> but it hurt. It, I remember the feeling. Yeah, no, we didn't miss out on that. I'll be honest with you on that one. Um, I know you liked him and I know he's had some good yeah. moments, but come on now. Like he's just a lot a lot of a lot of red flags there with him. But I, I will say this when it comes to Indiana, like Moving from 31 to 28, does that move the needle enough for me to give up future stuff? Is it enough to really feel like I got to get to 28? I, it has to be right player, right situation for sure. They're going to have to say, like, yeah. I think someone that's we'll, – we'll get there in a minute. I'll, I'll spoil it a little bit. But um, a player that was really high as a – like in the middle of the lottery – or not middle of the lottery, middle of the first round, excuse me, maybe like the back end of like the, the 20 range was a guy like Kendall Brown from Baylor. Mm-hmm. And now we've seen him kind of start sliding down a little bit. And I think it's been a little bit too much overcorrection to some of his flaws to his game. But if he's somebody that falls till 28 that you think has a lot of potential that won't be there at 31, then that's where I would be more okay with pouncing up to move and get that pick. But at the same time, I wonder if I'm going to go ahead and keep 31, doesn't make a lot of sense for me to move up three spots to put guaranteed money on my books when I could just wait and see what kind of happens over the next couple of picks because like you said who's Denver going to go after do they want to you know really get a guy there at 30 was it Denver I think Denver's at 30 right or they are now Mm -hmm. yeah they traded to the Thunder right so and then 29's Memphis they've got so many players on their roster and then 28's Golden State so you know you kind of just have to weigh the options there and see what the teams are going to do 
this is a move you make when the Warriors are basically on the clock or like yeah. a pick or two before that. It's like a, oh man, there's someone that we really like yeah. right now. And at that point, look, if you're going to give up a, a second round pick I, in the future, I'm fine with it. I think the only reason why Golden State could do it is because the non-guaranteed contract, you slide back three spots. Like whoever they pick at 28 probably isn't going to contribute at all next season. So what's the difference at 31? But yeah, like Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole was a fantastic pick. Fantastic. But for, for next year, I mean, it's crowded over there. They still got to get Moses Moody minutes. You got you got to get James Wiseman minutes. Those are yeah. two guys that weren't even playing that have a ton of potential. It'll be interesting. I think Golden State should keep this pick, though, because they need to get as many cheap contracts as they can and just try to bang for their buck there uh, with all these guys. Get, get as much bang for the buck as they can because so many of these guys are going to be getting some pretty heavy paydays. But my last one here, it's very similar to what you're talking about in terms of right situation, right type of player. A lot of rumors going around that the Bulls are trying to save money. Okay, so they're looking to potentially get off of pick 18. I like the idea of trading away the cast pick next year and the 31st pick overall in this year's draft for pick 18. That gives you the opportunity to move up. 13 spots from 31. You're also giving up a future lottery protected first, but who knows where it falls. I really like this idea. If you can get a guy like Terry Eason at 18, who I've seen fall quite a bit, or a guy like Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara, these are two guys I would keep my eyes on here at 18 from Chicago because they don't really have the, the money to afford this pick right now as they're trying to shuffle through their roster with all the guys they've paid. So that to me is what I'm looking at. And I think the Bulls might be enticed by it because, hey, having that extra pick to dangle around next year from Cleveland could really help them. Very interesting. Very interesting. I do think that they probably are looking to save some money because Zach Levine is heading towards a max deal, which sounds like that will happen for them. Vucevic, you know, hey, ugh, that, that move kind of put them in the hole a little bit. But uh, at this point, 18 probably is going to be traded. Man. 31 and the Cavs pick. I think it's got to be that there's someone that you like that's right over there that you know you're not going to be able to get because that Cavs pick, hey, look, we don't know what it's going to be, but it could end up being 16 next year or something like that. So it could be 16 and 31 for 18. Like, uh, uh, if we make the move, I'm on board. If we don't, I'm not thinking, why didn't we make that move at 18? But there's going to be good talent in this draft at 18. So. Yeah. Man, in the moment, that's when it changes things. Yeah, I think that just having that extra ammo could really make it enticing for the Pacers to do that. And then, of course, the Bulls would still get a pick at 31, which I yep. think could help their depth and mm -hmm. be a little bit cheaper contract there than 18. So um, let's move on now, Fachi. That was some fun different trades there that we threw out there. Let's look at three players that you're intrigued by at pick 31. I've heard gushing reviews at Jake LaRavia. I don't know if he's going to be there at 31, but they have him like right in most – you know, most mock drafts have him slated like right at that, uh, you know, end of the first round, early, early second round. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting. But, you know, for Laravia, someone who played two years at Indiana State, he's from Indiana, he shot 38 percent from three, nearly four assists, 56 percent from the field. There's a lot to like right over there. Um, then next, David Roddy, David Roddy, someone who worked out for the Pacers. So did uh, Laravia. And Roddy was a junior from Colorado State, near seven-foot wingspan. He's a 6'6", small forward, averaged 19 points, seven and a half rebounds, 57% shooting, nearly 44% from three. So 
does a lot. I think the reason why he's going to go a little bit later, he's 21, played at a smaller school. So I think that he could be there at 31. And then to kind of wrap it up, look, I don't know if Patrick Baldwin Jr. is going to be at 31. I think he's going to end up going late first round. That's a steal if he's there. Kendall Brown, I don't think he's going to be there at 31, but he's going to be right in that area. And then a guy that you mentioned, Christian Coloco, who could be there at 31. How many players did you do? I I got about 100. No, I'm kidding. Look, this is where it ends. I said three players. You said three. Baldwin, I had a throw in there. He's not going to be there. (laughs) But Coloco, I think at that point, seven foot center, seven foot five wingspan. I'm interested at 31. Okay, well, we had totally different players here as well, so this is going to be great. Um, Since I already mentioned Kendall Brown earlier, I went ahead and changed one up. I'm going to go with Bryce McGowan's from Nebraska. This is a guy that I've seen mocked in the first round as well, Um, someone that's kind of risen a little bit over the last couple of weeks, but he's a guy that I've been intrigued by. Just a lights-out bucket getter, six foot uh, six and a half with a six six foot eight and a half wingspan. You know, he's only 181 pounds, but for Nebraska last year, he was lights out as a freshman. You know, he'll, he's 19 and a half years old. So, you know, I like the age there. Um, two other guys I'm going to bring up here, Peyton Watson from UCLA, small forward, six foot eight Fachi, but he's got a seven and a half foot wingspan. Um, he's 210 pounds, 19 years old. Um, UCLA, you know, they had a great team last year, so he didn't really get the opportunity to really showcase what he can do. But there's a lot of people that are high on his potential. And then Justin Lewis out of Marquette, six foot eight, but check this out. Seven foot two and a half inch wingspan, 235 pounds, 20 years old. Look, Marquette is known for getting guys on their team that are just like these bigger wings that are just really consistent role players in the NBA. You know, the the, the size a little bit, you know, bigger than Jay Crowder a little bit, but I just think of guys like that when when you're looking at these type of players. Obviously, you you hope that they become Jay Crowder type players, but um, looking at these three players, I feel like very similar in what I'm looking for. I'm looking for wings. I'm looking for guys that can guard multiple positions. And at pick 31, um, you know, Kendall Brown would be my, my first choice if he's there. But if not, I'm really intrigued by both Justin Lewis and Peyton Watson. So it's interesting that you said Justin Lewis because I saw him going way below mm-hmm. in many mock drafts. So I think 31 could be way too high for him, but he's someone that I'm very interested in. Because I saw, I saw him going in, in around 45 and 50. So at that point, you know, either someone's sleeping on him or or you're getting a great player. So yeah. uh, he worked out for the Pacers. So interested in that. And then what was it? Was it Peyton Watson? That, Peyton Watson, name? UCLA. He worked out for the Pacers as well, I believe. That was that was the thing. When I looked at him, I thought, why is this guy coming out? Because I feel like he's someone who could have benefited big time going back to school. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of those guys that I'm going to be honest, I didn't get to watch. So when you just look at some stats, it was like three points per game, like four rebounds. I was like, oh, my God, why, why didn't this guy come back? But, hey, I, I know some people really do like him. So, yeah, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think I think when Kristen Peek was on our show, she brought him up as well as somebody that could be there in that early, to you know, early part of the second round. So when you got someone that really knows their stuff when it comes to draft coverage, I just – I usually trust their insight because they're a little bit more familiar with these players and she watched them in high school. So she knows like what the potential was. And look, we know, we know UCLA is a good school and they've done a great job recruiting. So I don't think Mick Cronin is going to be, you know, trying to recruit a guy that he doesn't plan on having, you know, future plans for it on that team. So that's where I'm at with that, but let's move on now. Fachi three players who could be available at pick 58. All right. So 
uh, you know, after having so many players over here, I really only had two. So I, I oh wow, I guess I, I follow I, the rules, man. Hey, I'm I'm all over the place. You're not started. even following the draft guide for the draft guide for the people. Come no, on now, no. But hey, first name <laughs> I got Dominic Barlow from the G League, six nine with a seven three wingspan, just Ooh. turned nineteen, averaged fifteen points per game, six rebounds, one point one steals, one point two blocks. He did it in just twenty five minutes. Uh, Barlow is someone that I feel like probably would have benefited more going to college than the G League. It feels like playing in the G League for a lot of players actually hurt their draft stock rather than help it. Same thing with like a Jaden Hardy. So that that's that's one thing over there, one player that I'm really interested in. And then it's funny that you had Justin Lewis at 31. I didn't think the Pacers would be able to get him at 58, but I saw on a lot of mock drafts him going between that 45 to 55 range. So that's why I had him in there. And, okay. you know, now you have me thinking, oh, man, there's no way this guy's going to be available. But, you know, some of the notes that I had on him, man, six seven small forward, power forward, the 7-2 wingspan, 17 points per game, eight rebounds. Look, we're not going to go through it all. But defensively, you know, that's where he's going to make a lot of money right over there. I feel like this is a player that I'm intrigued. So yeah. I really am. It feels like now there's no way that the Patriots are going to get him at 58. But, hey, to, to throw out another name, uh, Jean Montero, point guard uh, from Overtime Elite, another G League guy. That's someone that there was so much more expected of him that this guy, wherever you're going to get him late in the second round, is going to be a steal. I do think that he's a project, but I think that you're going to get a real good player with him. 58, you guys got to remember, this year it's the last pick in the draft. So whoever you get, I mean, unless you're Isaiah Thomas, the year he was Mr. Relevant, most of the time, it ain't going to make that much of a difference. Yeah, so my first guy here, I'm going to go with Jabari Walker from Colorado. Six foot eight, six foot uh, 11 wingspan, 213 pounds, 20 years old. Son of Samaki Walker, which we've talked about uh-huh. a little bit before on this show. Or a patient. Yeah, I will just say this. Um, looking at his statistics, he took a massive leap at the end of the season, Flash. He shot over, or he shot 47.6% from three. Woo! the last 11 games of the season so uh, he was a redshirt freshman at Colorado I uh, I wrote an article on eight points nine seconds that's been six weeks six weeks since I wrote about uh, this prospect but he's a guy that I've had my eye on he's kind of been in that middle to late you know second round there so if he falls that's somebody I'm keeping an eye on somebody that Rashad Phillips brought up on this podcast said uh He's a little bit older. I don't know if he'll last this long, but Alondis Williams from Wake Forest, who was the ACC player of the year. Um, I just think if you can get a guy that's got something to prove, you know, this guy was a flat-out baller. I think he can throw some nasty, nasty, uh, you know, alley-oops. He's just – he uh, he helped Jake LaRavia become Jake LaRavia. Okay, let's just be honest. Like, Jake LaRavia is not nearly the player that he is without Alondis Williams. So, I like him out of Wake Forest. Not a great wingspan, only six foot seven. He's six foot five overall, two hundred nine pounds. He's twenty three years old, so he's a little bit older. But um, you know, I think he'll probably go before this. I would be surprised if he's there at fifty eight. But I've seen a lot of mocks where they have him in that range. And then lastly, a guy that um, our good friend Rafael Barlow did a video on on YouTube, Matteo Spagnola, guard out of Italy, six foot five and a half, six foot eight wingspan, one hundred ninety six pounds. 19 years old. This feels like a perfect draft and stash type of guy. The Pacers should keep their eye on. I'm just telling you guys, I can try to describe his game to you about how fun he is to watch, but I really can't do it justice. So type in this name, Matteo, M-A-T-T-E-O, Spagnola, S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A on YouTube. Go watch some highlights. This kid is a ton of fun. I think we would absolutely love him. He kind of reminds me of a bigger T.J. McConnell is the best way to describe it. 
and I think he's got a stroke. So that to me is just like, you know, he's he's under the radar quite a bit, but um, I would keep my eye on him, Fachi, from from Italy. Hey, I mean, sounds really intriguing. You can't go wrong at 58. No one's ever going to criticize a team for making a bad pick at 58. I can't believe it took Matteo Spagnola at 58. This team's not serious about winning, you know. So Fire KP. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so at that point, look, stash a guy. Stash a guy if you really believe. Give him a year. Give him two years. You know, look, look. I remember when when the Timberwolves drafted Ricky Rubio and stashed him, and that was that was the top five. That was that was like sixth overall, fifth overall. Him and Johnny Flynn back to back. But you know, regardless, fifty eight, take a swing on someone that could become someone in a few years, maybe an international prospect. But uh, yeah, those are some definitely some good names to throw out. And uh, what do we have coming up next? Okay, yeah, the next thing we got to do here, Fachi, is potential undrafted free agents you like. Um, keep it keep it basic here, but just give me two, Fachi, what you got. Ron Harper Jr., hey, uh, selfishly, he, he went to high school close to where I grew up, but that's a guy that, you know, you guys might remember hitting the half-court game winner against Purdue, someone that shot 40% from three. I think that he ain't going to get drafted, so he could be in the running. And then Kofi Coburn. Look, seven foot junior, seven foot four wingspan. The man dominated. Another big guy. The man dominated in college offensively. Defensively, it's pretty rough. I don't see him getting drafted, but that's someone who is kind of like a little bit of a household name. All right. Well, for me, two names that I'm going to go with here are two familiar names because this is a very hard exercise for me to do, but I wanted to throw something out there. I'm going with Isaiah Mobley, forward from USC, brother of Evan Mobley. He's six foot nine. Uh, almost six foot 10 with a seven foot three inch wingspan, 238 pounds. Look, we know what his brother can do. Obviously he's not Evan, but at the same time, I just like when I, when there's good, like we've looked at Aaron holiday, obviously Justin holiday, drew holiday. Okay. We've seen it when there's brothers that know how to play ball, they usually get drafted or they get taken somewhere. So Isaiah Mobley is somebody I'd look at. And then I'm going with these uh, NBA, uh, the draft combine darling. Kenneth Lofton out of Louisiana Tech, six foot seven, uh, six foot seven, six foot eleven wingspan, two hundred and eighty pounds of pure thickness. Fachi, uh, he's got a stroke. I mean, he was drilling shots. He's got the, uh, he's actually not a bad ball handler. Ball handler. He's got the upper strength to kind of go through some of these guys on him because of so much power he has. Obviously, he's going to have to lose some weight and get into some better shape to be a long-lasting NBA player. But as an undrafted guy playing in the G League, how could you not love Kenneth Lofton? This guy is awesome, man. The man is built like a brick house. I mean, hey, I would not want to run to him in the post. If he can lose some weight, you know, you know, turn it into muscle, Hey, he could be someone that is kind of like a summer league darling. Yeah, and he could actually be a G League darling, which, hey, nothing nothing uh, bad about having the Mad Ants have some fan favorites there. But, Fachi, let's take a quick break. We'll come back and finish the last third of our NBA Draft Guide. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Okay, Fachi, now we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. I want to hear some negative things from you. What players do you absolutely not like for Indiana, specifically at pick six? I can't sell myself on Johnny Davis at six, (laughs) and I don't even think he's in the running, but we have a listener. I'm blanking on his name. I, I see the tweets on Twitter of like, why aren't we considering Johnny Davis at six? Like, why Was it OB's pockets? Maybe. You know <laughs> what? But I, six is a reach for Johnny. No offense. We're never going to give him that 30% usage rate. And, and he finished the year just terribly, you know, inconsistent. Also, I'm not in love with A.J. Griffin unless we're trading back, you know, maybe four or more picks at six. I, the injury history right over there terrifies me. And then McCall like it is. Dyson Daniels at six. I'm not in love with it. The guy's bringing a lot of good things to the table, but when I hear the one thing that's his knock is his shot, that that's kind of an important part of the game of basketball. It's something that uh, I'm a little bit worried about. Yeah, so I will be honest with you. All three of those players you mentioned were the three players I wrote down for my list. So we are, in, we are in lockstep there in terms of what we won, and obviously we revealed our, our big boards already, so I think we kind of knew where that was going to be headed. But even even at pick 10, let's just say the Pacers were able to get 10 or 11 like we talked about. Would you be okay with any of these guys at 10 or 11? Uh, yeah, I would be all right with, like, Dyson Daniels at, like, 10 or 11, something like that. Like, A.J. Griffin, like, I you know, I could sell myself. I'm like, hey, look, there's, there's big star potential over here. We could say healthy. Maybe not big star potential, but there's really good potential here. Johnny Davis at 10, like, man, and first of all, if the Pacers were to trade back and ended up with Johnny Davis, so we didn't even get the sixth overall pick, we wasted a whole year, and it's like, oh, my God, what did we just do? So, mm, man. Our Johnny Davis hate is bad over here. I know. Look, you guys, if you want to call me a hater, then just do it. But you could see, like, I'm leaving Keegan Murray out because I'm very neutral on Murray. Hey, good good player. I'm not going to say that that he doesn't have a high ceiling or anything like that. Like, I'm very in between on him, but when it comes to like a, a John Davis, I'm sorry. I just, I can't AJ Griffin. Look, those injuries got missed nearly two years of high school. Uh, yeah. I, I will say this. If we get a second pick, these guys are much more comfortable for me yep. taking, especially AJ Griffin and Dyson Daniels. Mm-hmm. Like, yep, okay. Baby. Like, sure. I, I will say this. The reason I don't want Dyson Daniels at six is because I think it's a reach for him at six. And I think he's too similar to Tyrese Halliburton. It's not that I don't like Dyson Daniels as a player. I just don't see that it factor with him. And I don't believe in his three-point shooting yet. Look, in the G League, he was a putrid three-point shooter. Sure, he can fix some mechanics. Sure, he can get better. But I'm just not buying into it right away. Same with Johnny Davis, 30% from three for Wisconsin. That's not Rick Carlisle's forte. He doesn't like that kind of play. So how is he going to translate to the NBA? I mean, I get that he's going to be a really good defender, but at best, I see him as a six-man kind of microwave guy that can really, you know, help your help your bench. I don't really see him as a, a long-term starter, but I I think the upside in AJ Griffin, like I talked about, like if he hits on all of his upside, then he could be a top-five prospect yeah. when you do a redraft in 10, 15 years. So that's kind of where I'm at with AJ Griffin. Like I see the potential. He's got the size. He's only 18 years old. Um, a lot of injuries, but he also played a role last year on a really good team where Johnny Davis was the guy that did everything for Wisconsin. You talked about it, Fachi, like one of the highest usage rates of oh, all yeah. time in college basketball. He's not going to do that in the, in the NBA, and I think his game is going to be easier to defend 
because of his inability to knock the ball down from deep. So, yeah, I'm just not really the biggest Johnny Davis guy. Like, I I, pref- I would prefer Sohan or Terry Eason or even Jalen Williams out of Santa Clara over Johnny Davis. It's my personal preference. So I'm just pretty much out on Davis. But with that being said, if we do get back at center 11, I'm fully expecting us to take him just because that is the most pacer thing to do. It is. It very much is, you know, and, and people will say, oh, wow, he played it safe again. But look, I want to talk about the usage rates between Johnny Davis and A.J. Griffin. Here's the thing. With Johnny Davis, 32.5% usage rate off the charts. A.J. Griffin, like you said, played a role on a really good team, a team that went to the Final Four. His usage rate was 18.8, nearly half. So it's like a lot of times we see those good players that end up being better NBA players because they played in a specific role in college, a la Devin Booker, who, Mm -hmm. you know, had a very specific role to play. I feel like Johnny Davis had to shoulder the load. I don't see a team letting him shoulder the road, but the load. But as we talked about with Dyson Daniels, they talked about his shooting. It's his knock. But Alex, I read a report today, and I know you heard it, and I know all Pacer fans heard it. They said Dyson Daniels had potentially the greatest workout the Pacers have ever seen. I need to know what went on in that workout. Was this man hitting every three imaginable? Because for a poor three-point shooter, something must have changed. Is this smoke? <laughs> it very well could Why be. does this get out? Why, why would they let this leak? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe the, maybe. I, I don't know. Maybe they're trying to. See Are they trying to get the trades to get him? Yeah, I, I don't know. And it would be great if that did happen. <laughs> but at, at this point, I'm wondering: Do they think maybe that there could be like a huge offer that comes in for six? If like the Pelicans really want him at eight, maybe there's a big offer there for yeah. him, and they could slide down and take Mathurin. Maybe I'm just connecting things that aren't there. But at the same <laughs> point, it's a possibility. Yeah, I, I just feel like it's a little bit overdramatic to call it one of the best workouts. And look, I'll just say it this way. Excuse me. Um, one, of the, one of the most impressive things that I've ever heard, I think I brought it up on one of the later podcasts we just did, Marshawn Brooks outworked Clay Thompson in a workout for the Pacers. If the Pacers were to take Marshawn Brooks over Clay Thompson because he had one good workout, look how different that – would have been for that team. I mean, the Nets obviously took him. I think Clay Thompson still went before him, so it doesn't matter. But I'm just saying, if you're going based off one workout, like, look, one of the better players of all time might have a bad workout. I think it's I think it's a bunch of bull to overreact to one workout. Sure, they can look great in a workout, but at the end of the day, one workout should not be the deciding factor for what you're doing. I think you should look at the entire body of work when it comes to how they played in the regular season, whether it was college, whether it was Euro League, whether it was, you know, um, the G League. If it's Shaden Sharp, well, then that's all you can go off of, right? Off of a feel, off of a conversation. But, you know, Dyson Daniels is as great of a workout as he might have had. Um, I still just don't see it with him as a guy that just, like, jumps right up into that top six. I just – it's it's it feels like it's reaching for Giddy and hoping that he's Giddy and he's yep. not as good as Giddy. Mm-hmm. And there's definitely some similarities over there, the point guards, Australians, you know, maybe people are, are looking for that next giddy, like you said, but at the same point, man, six, uh, I feel like if you're the Pelicans at eight, you start to then maybe creep into that nine, 10 range, go for it. I think yeah. the value is there. Six is where it's like we talked about, there's that drop off on the tiers. There's like tier one, which is pretty much maybe one through five, and then there's six and on. So it's a tough spot to be in. 
Okay, Fachi, let's move on to our next topic. Biggest needs you want to address in this upcoming NBA draft. And I got a laundry list for you. I mean, how about a two-way player? Easier said than done. I mean, it'd be great to find one. I feel like the Pacers have really been looking for one since, you know, Paul George. We saw little glimmers of hope with T.J. Warren. But, yeah, they're definitely looking for it. I think Ben Benedict Matherin could be one. Dyson Daniels maybe. But we also need more athleticism. Like, got to keep that going. We brought it in with Isaiah Jackson. And, you know, we got to keep building on that. Guys that are multidimensional and also that really buy into defense. We saw, hey, at times we could put up 130. The problem is you give up about 150, you got major problems. So over there, we got to buy in defensively for sure. Okay, so for me, I had a lot of the same stuff. Number one, elite athleticism. Two, all-star potential. Three, defensive wings. We need that desperately in this draft. Number four, someone who gets to the free throw line. And then probably number five is the most important for me, Vachi, a culture changer. I want well, someone that's going to come in here and change culture. Like I get it. Cyrus Halliburton's already starting to do that. Very great, warm, loving group of guys. You heard Isaiah Jackson talk about it on the podcast. Absolutely a great group of guys. They're all really close. But I look at a team like Minnesota that had Carl Anthony Towns. They were just missing something. They go out and draft Anthony Edwards, and he changes the culture and demeanor of that team completely. It was still Carl Anthony Towns' baby, but it's starting to become Anthony Edwards' team. And Carl Anthony Towns is jumping on for the ride and trying to still take ownership of that team. But I think it's clear as day the go-to guy for that team right now is Anthony Edwards. And so I truly believe that if they can get the right person in here, they can be the tone setter and the culture changer that this team desperately needs to kind of get themselves back on track to being a legitimate playoff contender. Oh, yeah. I mean, Edwards, like, swag, the way he carries himself, it's infectious. Yeah. So I feel like that team started having a lot of fun. And I, I want part of that. I, I want that guy to come in there, whoever it is, that, that can really make the difference. I, that's why I feel like, man, you can get Jaden Ivey. I feel like everything could change. Just the belief from the fans, the belief from the team. Look, a lot could change for the better. But, man, it's a hard thing to find. And the Patriots have been searching for it for quite some time. Absolutely. Let's move on to our number 11 here. How much faith do you have in Pritchard and in Carlisle? I got a lot. Maybe it's blind faith because last year's draft, I love the way it went. I really did. The fact that the Pacers were able to trade up into the first round and get a guy like Isaiah Jackson, put the icing on the cake for taking a guy like Chris Duarte, who was really promising. Sure, he's older than you would have liked, but at the same point, there's no saying that the Pacers didn't have a good draft with Duarte and Isaiah Jackson. So I feel like at this point, having the picks that we got, six, you got 31, you got the Cavs pick, they're talking about being aggressive. The Pacers have been one of the teams that have been in the news more than other teams, which makes me feel like they're being active and something's getting done. Yeah, I would say my faith is about 50% confident, 50% worried. I'm worried I'm, too. I'm right there in the middle. I, I, I know they can evaluate talent. They have a great team of scouts. And I think there's an awesome team in that front office. But if they don't move up to get Ivy and Murray is taken fifth, I can see them passing on a guy like Matherin for someone I'm not as high on. And that scares me to death. So I hope they see what we see and so many others see in Matherin because if he's on the board and they don't take him, I mean, it's going to feel like a gut punch. And I won't put the tweet out I put out last year about – so I felt when we passed on T.J. Leaf, but it will be very close because 
you know, it's just like you get so attached to like who is a guy that you want and who's a guy you don't want. And it's just like, it always feels like every time that I've really watched the Pacers, like there's been like those moments when they took Goga when I wasn't expecting it. No one has. Or like I said on the podcast, Isaiah Jackson, like I wasn't expecting it. So it didn't really bother me. But like that TJ Leaf, just that TJ Leaf draft pick just sits in my brain. So uh, familiar, you know, I'm just so familiar with that memory of like, I do not want him. Like, I just didn't want him. Like, I, I saw mockers. I'm like, oh, please, no. Like, I just, I don't, I don't see it with them. And I was right. I, I mean, I hate to be like that guy, yeah. but I mean, I just didn't see it with them. And that's saying that there's not other guys that I've said I don't see with them and they've done well, but that's just where I'm at. Like, Aaron Holiday, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. You know, didn't, expect, didn't accept him, didn't expect him to fall. So I think that was a little bit enticing. Like everybody was like raving about him, but nobody was raving about TJ Lee. Come on. Like no one. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at. Like, I mean, there's some people that have been raving about Dyson Daniels, obviously at six, it's not as big of a deal if you do take someone in that seven to nine range. But um, I just feel like if Sharp and or Mathern are on the board and they pass them up for someone that I don't think has as much potential, it's just hard for me to get excited about it. I'll, uh, I'll talk myself not into it, but I'll, uh, I'll try to, con- you know, convince you guys that, you know, they did what was best for the team. But, I mean, uh, it's going to have to be more of a prove-it thing for me because where I'm at now, I just – I'm just so set on my seven, my top seven, that if we pick anybody outside of it, I'm just – I won't be happy. I-, I agree with you. If they can't get Ivy, how could you possibly pass up Matherin and Sharp? It's like take one of them. Like you take Keegan Murray, it's not the worst thing out there. But I, I do think that Matherin and Sharp – or above them in terms of potential, like the ceiling. But also one thing yeah. I want to say is at least the Pacers got Matherin in for a workout, Dyson Daniels in for a workout. Shaden Sharp, I'm going to be honest, Alex, I did not think he was coming in for a workout, and the Pacers got him in there. They yeah. had lunch with, with Keegan Murray. Who knows what they served? Who knows what they got? Hopefully it was good. Hopefully it made a great impression. But look, Jay and Ivy, they watched him work out. They zoomed with him. Like, they did enough to be able to get those guys in. We knew the top three weren't coming in. They yeah. were, it wasn't going to happen. I didn't take any offense to it. Why would, like, a guy like, you know, Paulo or, or, or Jabari Smith make the trip over to Indiana, work out at six, when you know you ain't going there? Yeah, I thought it was interesting, though, that Jaden Ivy did say he worked out for the Magic. Like, yeah. at number one, that's pretty interesting. You know, I'm not saying he's going one, but, like, wow. That's pretty. Uh, it's pretty interesting to hear that. But uh, they did. They did their due diligence. They've had a lot of these guys in. Um, they had Johnny Davis, AJ Griffin in for workouts solo. I'm I'm kind of surprised that Sharp and Daniels were a part of a group of six and not I by agree. themselves. Mm-hmm. But AJ Griffin and Johnny Davis were by themselves. Obviously, Jeremy Sohan was supposed to be in one of those groups as well. So there, you're looking at eleven to twelve guys. I think that can kind of give you an idea of what their board might look like here um, in terms of guys that they're interested in. But um, let's move on to our last topic here. Fachi, let's get bold with it. Give me a bold prediction or bold predictions for the NBA draft. Bold prediction. I'm going to say it. Pacers trade up. They take Jay and Ivy. Everyone's happy. Okay. <laughs> it's bold. It's going to cost a lot. But at that point, I mean, you want bold? I'm going to give you bold. Okay. Well, here's what I said. Paulo Boncaro was drafted before the Houston Rockets at three. It's, it's gaining legs now. I know. And I wrote this. Have so, drastically changed. <laughs> I will say this. I wrote this Sunday, okay? I wrote this Sunday afternoon after, or actually Sunday morning after I sent it to Fachi. I was like, I'm going to fill this out. I just believe that Boncaro is going to be gone before OKC, or excuse me, not before OKC, before Houston. 
I think that there's a good chance that Boncaro goes to OKC at two. And then Houston's looking at either Chet or Jaden Ivey. They could be like, okay, maybe we don't take Chet. Maybe we do go with Ivey. Then Chet falls to four. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I, I do think that Boncaro gets drafted before the Rockets as one of my hot takes uh, or a bold prediction. Another one I said, the Pacers not only jump up in the draft to get Jaden Ivey at 11, they also get the 11th overall pick from the New York Knicks. So we're picking four and 11 in this bold prediction, Fachi. We're sending our Chris, Chris Duarte and uh, my package of Duarte to move up and swap four and six. Then we're trading Brogdon to the Knicks to get pick 11. So now we're going to get our guy, Jaden Ivey, and then we're going to walk out of here with another prospect along with it. That's my bold prediction. When Kevin Pritchard said he wanted something, he said he was going to go get it. Hey, Pritchard, if we're, uh, if we're speaking the same spirits here, you know, I, uh, I want two lottery picks and I want Jaden Ivey, so make it happen. That would be very interesting. I actually had, you know, me, I don't follow the rules, so I did have another one on here. And it I did said bold the, predictions. Yeah, yeah, and it did involve the Knicks too. The Pacers strike a deal with the Knicks, and I'm going bold. That's why this is what it is. They get pick 11. So in this deal, it's actually not Brogdon that's going. It's Turner. So at this point, it's it's uh, it's Turner, 31, and uh, – no, sorry, 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 sorry. It's Turner, the Cavs first for 11, and with that, we're taking back Evan Fournier and Cam Reddish. So Reddish oh, and I we were interested in, but it's not what you thought is going to happen. So now it's 6 and 11 since we traded Turner. The Pacers actually enter full rebuild mode. They go with Shaden Sharp and at number 11, Jalen Durant. And they have mm. two cornerstones right over there That's to be able cool. to build around two of the youngest players in the draft to add to a young core. You said bold. I wanted to give you a bold one because those are two players, or at least one of them, that we're not expecting to go to Indiana. <laughs> it sounds so Pacers like to draft another center. <laughs> That's what we do. It's a yearly tradition, basically. <laughs> so why not keep it consistent? Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go, guys. Those are our our bold predictions. If you guys have any bold predictions, hit us up on Twitter at setting the pacer. Let us know. Um, other than that, Fachi, any, any final thoughts that you want to share as we kind of wrap up this draft coverage? I'm, I'm just going to say this before I hand the mic over to you. I'm ready for the draft to get here and be done with because talking about what could happen is fun, but eventually you just get tired of hearing yourself say the same things over and over. So that's where I'm at. Keeping an eye close onto these rumors, obviously, but at the end of the day, I'm just ready for the draft to get here to see what actually happens and see who becomes a Pacer. Oh, my God. When we're analyzing players that we might sign that go undrafted, I know we're going deep. So when we're <laughs> looking at undrafted, pick 58, and I'm really trying to scrub to find names that, that are accurate, it's like we got to get through this draft. And here's one thing I will say. I don't remember drafting someone that I was all in with, so I'm hoping that this is the year yeah. because – I like. My pacer, my, my jersey, you know, my, my closet of pacer jerseys right now is like a graveyard. I mean, it's like you're talking about like I, it's a bonus. I didn't know if there was ever going to be that next contract, so I waited. He's been traded. I got a little deeper in there. He's gone. Like, I mean, luckily Lance came back enough times for me to be able to wear it, you know, and, and still have him on the team. <laughs> but at this point, it's like I don't know who to invest in. Halliburton, I'd like to, but – Man, I'm so in love with the idea of taking Jay Nivey or Benedict Matherin that you bring those guys on the team, I'm buying a jersey. Yeah, and what's kind of funny too is like if you just look at it from like the start of the Bjorkren year uh, when we had Victor Oladipo, TJ Warren, like 
Warren's not on the team currently. So bonus has been traded. Karis Avert got traded. Victor Oladipo got traded. Last two standing, Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon. A lot of rumors they could be dealt. Wow. It'd be very interesting to see if both of them get dealt this offseason because we could have a clean sweep, clean slate of uh, what this Pacers era could be from just two years ago. I think the only player that might be on that course still is T.J. McConnell. T.J. McConnell, with, with, yeah, yeah, mate. Goga, and then towards the back end of that, all of a sudden, O'Shea Brissett becomes one of the longest-tenured yeah. Pacers. Yeah, he got he got signed during that season, so yeah. it's just interesting, you know, because Duarte and Jackson were just drafted last year. Obviously, you don't have McDermott anymore. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any other players. Justin Holiday, he's not on the team anymore. Aaron Holiday. So, yeah, it's just kind of funny to look back and think, wow, we've had a lot of changes. So um, wouldn't shock me. And I would actually prefer the team go more into a complete rebuild. I agree. And continue to go down this path of being semi-competitive. Like, I want these players when they come on our podcast to tell us they want to make the playoffs. Yeah, but, of course. But as a fan, I know that, like, they're not going to say, well, we want a tank so we can get more players. We want Victor Wimbignana on this team. You know, they're not going to say that. But – I uh, I uh, I think that the smart thing to do is just continue to go down this youth movement and uh, get some studs here to to build around and build uh, build forward with. No doubt. Uh, look, Isaiah Jackson was more realistic when he was like, "Oh man, you know, in order to take that step forward, we, we just got to start winning." While like Lance was like, "Oh no, no, we're going to be a playoff team." Yeah, yeah, believe that. Like, yeah. like, put that down. I was like, "All right, I love the confidence," but yeah, I mean, look. At this point, don't be one foot in, one foot out. I don't want to do what Sacramento did last year where they made it known we're going all in for the play-in. And then they still didn't make it. So at this point well, – They do, got fourth pick overall, so it worked they, out. They, and I, I still can't believe that even happened, but it did. But at this point, we could do what OKC is doing, but in a much quicker way because they're accumulating all these draft picks for years and years and years. If we just make a uh, – we trade Turner and Brogdon, we get, uh, you know, say the 10th overall pick, 13th, whatever. I feel like we just sped up that whole rebuild process drastically by having potentially 6, 10, or 11, 13, a ton of money to spend. Like, there, there's endless – maybe you just go after DeAndre Ayton at that point. Like, whatever <laughs> it is, you have so much money and young talent that – I talked about it. Look, if McConnell's moved at that point – there's not even a 30-year-old on this team at that yeah. point with Lance being a free a free agent and Warren and stuff like that. So it's super young, but we could enter that fun, young team that has the potential to compete for something big, not just a playoff spot. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. It'd be fun to see this team just continue to go down that youth movement and let them grow together, go through these growing pains and become a really fun team in the next couple of years because, you know, while the draft is on Thursday – this is a couple year process for me and yeah. how I evaluate this Pacers team and where they're heading. So with that being said, pretty lengthy episode once again, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. Everybody. Thank you so much for checking out all of our draft coverage and we will have more. We were going to have, we're going to have for sure a live reaction to the draft pick. We'll figure that out. And we're also going to have obviously some post draft coverage just for you guys to hear on Friday after the draft. So I want to thank you all so much for listening, but Fosh, you tell the people where they can find us out on social media. All right, so you can find us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook, Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok, Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Yeah, go to YouTube.com slash SettingThePace, a Pacers podcast. You can check out all of our great content over there. And if you haven't already, make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review on Spotify and or Apple Podcasts. 
help continue to add up those rating numbers because it just looks better on our resume. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're all aboard the Jaden Ivey or Benedict Matherin train, say these three words. Let's go Pacers. Let's go Pacers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.